In this episode, let's get connected. The trouble with low orbit satellites and rote inspections the right way. Oil and gas has always challenged technology. Now it's time for tech to challenge back. Come hear how the best minds in the industry are making those solutions a reality on the Oil and Gas Technology Podcast with your host, Mark LaCour. Hey folks, before we get to our guests, please, 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 if you want to support this show and our 11 other oil and gas podcasts, just leave a review. It's a number one way to help your friends find the good shows. And at the same time, if there's something we need improvement on, let me know. Give me a one star. Let me know what we need to improve on. And a big thank you and shout out to Nutanix, sponsor of the show. If you need help modernizing your data center and running applications at any scale, on-prem or in the cloud, these are the folks you want to talk to. And for the first time ever on the tech show, I actually have three guests with me. I have David Reed, the CTO and CMO of National Allwell. I have Jeff Pohn, the CEO of Connected Technologies. I have Jackson, who's a process engineer with one of the big downstream companies, and myself. How are you doing today, gentlemen? Doing great. Glad to be here. Doing good. Yeah. Isn't it a funny world where we're in all different parts of the country and we're still locked down with this COVID-19 thing, and yet we're jumping on a podcast using a little bit of technology to actually tell a story that hopefully helps educate our audience? What, what, what combination of crazy world and cool the use of technology? Yeah, it definitely is a different world that we're, we're living in today and you know, something that we're seeing across a lot of different industries around the world. Yeah, it's just, and I keep waiting for something to get better. Like literally, I think a UFO could land in my yard tonight and I just go, eh, like just normal crazy stuff. But because of what's going on, problems that have always been a problem in the oil and gas industry have been brought to the forefront. And one of the things I want to talk about since this is the tech show is I want to talk about connectivity. One of the things I see a lot, I see a lot of very smart people, a lot of very smart companies bring me different tools, applications that really move the needle, that make a difference in the field. But what they don't understand is a lot of places in the world, there is no connectivity. There's not Wi-Fi or, or LTE or something. And Jeff, Connected IT is actually not only aware of that problem, but you're focused on trying to fix that problem, aren't you? No, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we've seen through a lot of different conversations is, as you mentioned, the lack of connectivity in different environments where people are in. And for the normal user, consumers, when they look at that problem, that means that they can't get their text messages or access Facebook or YouTube or Instagram or things along those lines. But when you think about people that are operating in the industrial context, it means that they can't do their jobs in the most efficient and safe way possible. And so it's something that we're looking to try and solve by bringing connectivity not only to the user, but to the all the different devices and appliances that they use that enables them to be safer and more productive on the job site. Yeah, but one of the things I love about what y'all are doing is y'all know the industry. So you're not just bringing a universal connectivity piece of technology. You're making sure it's intrinsically safe, aren't you? No, absolutely. You know, I think that that is something that if you look across the market has been widely forgotten about or under addressed over the last decades. And so in order to provide that connectivity in a way that it actually works and can be used is it has to be intrinsically safe. Yep. So, David, I want to come back to you because I know you spend a little bit of time out in the field and all over the world. This problem is real. But before we turn the microphone on, you actually talked about one of the solutions that y'all use, which is VSAT. But VSAT itself has its own set of issues, doesn't it? Yeah, we, I mean, we've been we've been at various levels of access over the years, and we've run our own systems 
generally, it's I think it's all getting better, but there's there's always problems, particularly when we go to other countries and then you get deep into certain parts of the U.S. where you just you struggle. But it has been something we've had to do. But I wouldn't say that it's sorted yet. I think we've got a long way to go. Yeah, I, I agree. So VSAT tends to have a latency issue. It also tends to have a bandwidth issue. Although in the last four or five years, with machine learning controlling the aiming of the antennas and with low orbit satellites, they're actually getting better. But the problem with VSAT is expensive. When you need to repair a satellite, it's not like you roll a service truck out to West Texas, right? So th- there needs to be something else. And for the audience that maybe spends more of its time in the audience in the office and in the field, when you think about oil and gas operations, and whether that's upstream or pipelines, midstream or downstream, a lot of times our operations are in the middle of nowhere. Now, Jackson, I want to talk to you because this is you come from the downstream side of the house. So even in your refineries that are, say, closer to civilization, that have communications in the office, that probably have at least one two-way radio system set up on the on-site itself, there are times when, when you don't when you're and your people don't have connectivity out in the field as well, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there are options or times for say like in turnaround where you know you might be in a vessel inspecting something and you need to show someone who might be, you know, your expert and might be, you know, thousands of miles from your refinery. So there's examples there. You know, there's also examples with certain sensors that are in the field, you know, that aren't connected to anything. So you have to physically go to the field to read them, things like that, that aren't connected that unless you're actually there, that you don't really have the information you need. I think it's funny you brought that up. So people think I'm crazy when I say there's still people that get up in the morning, get in a truck, drive out to some site somewhere with a clipboard and pencil and a writing down meter readings and then bringing that back. That's still how we operate in a lot of places. Yeah. And even in, you know, refinery, I live in a refinery in a city and even still we have plenty of old instrumentation out there that's not connected to anything. And you got to go out there and physically read it to know anything about what's going on. Yeah. And then the problem with that, Jackson, is by the time you read that meter and you write it down and it comes back and somebody key punches in Excel and then it's emailed to somebody, it's old already, right? So you're not getting that information in real time, which in today's ultra lean world, being able to get information in real time allows you to make better business decisions to drive more efficiency. So we're, we're in a great place. I mean, we're in a place where the technology is being invented, where the technology is being adapted, but it's all around trying to drive efficiencies. So Jeff, I kind of want to come back to you a little bit. You know, the oil and gas industry itself tends to not like new things because we're risk adverse. And yet after this double black swan event we're going through now, this COVID-19 lockdown, I'm watching companies that are, changing their culture and and they they are more open to adopt new technologies new processes but a lot of those new technologies the constraint is connectivity so is that what spurred you and your 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 folks to come up with this idea that you saw that constraint in the market yeah well it's something that we actually identified throughout the last you know, handful of years as we've gone out and had conversations with various people across the industry but like you said there, there's been this catalyst through the covid-19 event that's caused not only the oil and gas industry but a number of other industries around the world to change the way in which they operate. You know, it started off with this, you know, this concept of, you know, we have to protect our workers, we have to adhere to new safety and social distancing guidelines. And so that meant that people couldn't get on a plane to go go on site to go look at something. Instead, you had to rely on the local resources that were on the ground. And so, you know, this challenge really arose around how do you get equip those people that are on the ground with the same knowledge base of the experts that may be residing 
thousand miles away, 2000 miles away. And then how do you keep them connected throughout that process? So, you know, this is really, you know, kind of the foundation of what we've set out to accomplish is helping solve those problems through connectivity and then solving those problems through other solutions that already exist out there in the market. We're all familiar with, you know, video conferencing solutions like, you know, Zoom and WebEx and Microsoft Teams. And, you know, that's a great way for all of us to get on the phone when we sit in front of a computer. But how do people actually go do that when they're out in the field? And so looking at the creative ways to, to solve those problems, like a company called Realware, which has done that through the their head-mounted tablet and display that operates those types of connectivity and communication solutions. But again, it all boils down to how do you provide the connectivity options for those people in those environments. So David, you, you've been at NOV for a while. I know y'all have looked at remote workers. I know y'all have looked at knowledge transfer, but is this current 2020 conditions, is that accelerating y'all looking to adopt these type of technologies? In fact, the, the list is long. I don't think we could stay here for hours, but <laughs> we're doing the, the same kind of, we have our own headset system. We Most of our behaviors really birthed out of software engineers who didn't want to be trapped in our industry, and I think it was early 2000s when we first started coming across it, where people were in West Africa and they could have a job in the tech industry and not have to fly to West Africa and back. And uh, we were not keeping people. So we started doing remote connectivity around then. And we've been watching rigs remotely since. But the, the new thing that happened was our automation systems. They have had a challenge with having enough people to be in all the different locations as people start adopting that, which they're doing a lot faster now, where you're, you're getting systems that don't require people to actually be on site. And so we had to develop a headset type system that allowed our support people to be able to share documents, be able to you know in, interact with the person on the rig and not send a person anymore. So that's, that's probably picked up during COVID more than anything where people are asking for those Instead of service hands, they'd rather just have a set out there. And then we, we run the, that's a case where we, we run our own kind of Wi-Fi system. And when you get offshore, it gets a little bit harder, but, but we are running those all over. You're dealing with the, the rigs bandwidth at that point. And so then that really pushed us into more edge type technologies where the systems can actually do their work without streaming everything back all the time. So service is streaming when they're needed. But otherwise, automated systems that need kind of remote connectivity, uh, they're just not streaming all the time. So we've been learning how to let systems autonomously work or automatically work around the equipment. And then when you need to, you just send parcels of information back. Or if you need to take some of the bandwidth, you take it. But there's no doubt that there's going to be an ongoing bandwidth challenge. We do the same when we did wired pipe. We started connecting the bottom of the hole the computer in the well up to the surface. And we thought we'd made so much bandwidth that uh, we'd, we'd never use it up. <laughs> it's like every other piece of computing hardware that we ever had. It's going to start getting used up and the same is going to happen with data flows. So we're, we're trying to find ways really to let the computing systems work without flowing back. That's There's a lot of work in that area on edge devices and how to make them work. And we're actually standardizing that across our systems and using parcels of information, same thing happens in any kind of connectivity challenge. But I think that's going to open up. We're, we're going to see the the entrance of 5G, and then they're going to get taken over by by these low-lying satellites. Just in a, I will say one of the most interesting trends for us is automation jobs 
everyone's communicating through WhatsApp. So that's a new that's a new thing that we did not expect. You've got people in different countries and a driller doing an automation job, and uh, they're all their their best method of communication is actually WhatsApp on their phones. Yeah, I'm sure Facebook appreciates you giving them a flood for WhatsApp. But it's it's what we do. It's what happened. So it is interesting about edge computing, and and the the problem is real. It's nobody has enough bandwidth, so all you do is you have the machine send the exceptions back. However, you train the machine to keep from eating up the limited amount of bandwidth that you have. But it is also really cool that the remote operations, if you would have told me 10 years ago that some operator would have been okay with my driller not being on the well site, I would have told you you're insane. But as an industry, that's where we're going. That's where we need to go. Jackson, we, we touched something that you touched talked about earlier. I want to come back to it, which literally is that ability to have remote inspections, remote workers on site. I have a question for you. The, off the top of my head, I would think that refineries and petrochemical plants right now would be wanting to do turnarounds because they can bring their units down in this less than profitable market, but then they aren't able to get the people there to actually do the work. Is that something that you think a tech connected to technology is going to help improve in the future? Well, I think it can certainly help in the sense that, that you have a lot less people that you might need to have there because you'll have, you know, people who need to be supervising or who need to be inspecting, they'd be able to do that more remotely, right? So you could have less workers and then that would reduce the number of people that actually need to have out in the field. So in that respect, yeah, I think it could be really useful. Yeah, it's I can't imagine. But you know, even things like worker safety. So when when y'all have a turnaround where anybody has a turnaround, you have all these contractors on site, the biggest thing is being able to keep track of them. Like where are they? And there's a lot of simple tools for that, but those tools don't work unless they are able to talk back, unless they're connected. So, you know, it's 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 gonna be an interesting world to see where that goes. I, I tell you something else, Jackson, that I'm gonna kind of put you on the spot <laughs> and I just want your feel for it. Cause I know you're a process engineer, which means you get your hands dirty. There's some new refineries being built. There's one in North Dakota and it's ultra modern, ultra streamlined. And they are, since it's brand new, since it's a greenfield, they are building it with the future intention of having robotics do a lot of the work in the plant in the future. Do you think that's reality? Like if, if you had the ability to design a, a refinery from scratch right now in 2020, could you build it so that you don't need as many people and you could have robots in the future doing some of the work? Oh, well, that's, you know, that's interesting, Mark. I haven't heard of that. So they're having, I guess they're trying to reduce the number of operators they have. They're like more automated plants. It's the Davis Refinery in North Dakota. It's a, a unique concept. So instead of building a refinery where they can and then bringing the hydrocarbons to the refinery, typically via pipeline, they're building the refinery at the source of the hydrocarbons and the refinery outputs only like one or two streams based upon the exact crew that's right there in North Dakota. And then they're not using robots now, they're they're staffed, but because it's a brand new facility, they're building it so that they can bring robotics in the future. So things like all of the spaces between all the equipment are consistent. They have the sensors already put in the concrete. And I just thought it was very forward thinking for them to design a refinery around the future use of robotics without having the robots here to actually, for the engineers to work with. I just, I just curious on your input on that. Like, is that viable? Is that a pipe dream? I mean, uh, I, certainly you couldn't do it at an, at an older plant like I work at. And obviously there's right. always some sort of benefit to having, you're not need some humans there, I would think, but could you have less humans and could you have, you know, more automation? I mean, I certainly think so. I just don't know. I mean, I guess I, I just don't know what the limit is, but 
who knows? Maybe that's limiting belief on my part. Well, it's it's because we're both guessing on something in the future. And that's the reason I brought it up. I've been to a bunch of refineries, and even though people have as-built and everything else, there's steel in the ground that nobody knows where it is. And so that wouldn't work very well with robotics. But if you build something new, it would work great. And the cool thing about that is, once again, in order for those robots to work, they would need connectivity. So I want to circle back with you, Jeff. You know, So Connect IT is a new company. But the people that have started this company, yourself and everybody else that's involved in it, and by the way, people, I'm on the board of advisors, to be totally transparent, come from a lot of heavy industry experience. And so, you know, the ability for, for Connect IT to stand up and, and start actually helping companies is already there. And at some point, we're going, we're going to help scale all this stuff up. So if there's, if there's people out there, Jeff, there's companies out there that are right now scratching their head going, you know, we do have remote workers that, you know, do have issues with things like connectivity, wouldn't it make sense for them to actually reach out to you and just start talking to you so you can start talking to them from like a partner point of view? Yeah, no, I mean, we'd, we'd certainly love to and welcome those conversations as early on in the process as possible. You know, if you look at the varying scale of problems that you can solve out there today, you know, again, it can range from anywhere from how do we connect this disparate workforce or remote workforce that exists because of COVID-19 to how do we actually enable connectivity for all the different sensors and appliances and tools that people might be using day in and day out that can start to provide real-time connectivity and data back to the people that need to make the right decisions, as I think Jackson was talking about earlier. So I think you know, having that broader picture is certainly important, and we love to engage with anybody on that uh, set of topics starting immediately. Hey, Jeff, can, can we go just a little bit down the tech rabbit hole? So what we're talking about is not a device. It's not a hotspot like you get from Verizon, right? Let's talk a little bit about the different pieces of technology that will be integrated in this. Yeah. So, I mean, if you were to, to look at the device itself, you know, in the most simplified way, you could describe it as a hotspot, but it's really so much more than that. Again, it starts from a hardware perspective built out in, in an intrinsically safe form factor to be utilized in these potentially hazardous environments. It has all of the connectivity options built in from you know 5G and LTE connectivity, both on the public and private side of things. It has the capabilities for Wi-Fi and Bluetooth connectivity. But again, it's going to additionally add intelligence on the device itself, such that some of those decisions, some of those processes can actually be managed on the device versus back in the, the cloud or back in the command and control center. So for an example, if you think about the different types of things that might be connected to it, you might have realware head-mounted tablet, like I referred to earlier, that's helping connect the person that's in the field versus the subject matter experts that working remotely. It might also be connecting the different sensors that a person is wearing as part of their PPE. So as an example, a toxic or noxious gas sensor. And it can take a number of different elements along those lines, take that data and start to process it in a way that if that alarm goes off for that toxic gas sensor, well, now it can actually package that up with the GPS location that is coming from the connected gateway itself and send that information back such that the right people can start to take action based off of that and determine, well, we need to e evacuate this person, but also we can see where all these other people are based and we can start taking action based off of that as well. Yeah, that's, that's really powerful. I, I love the fact that you're connectivity agnostic, right? So so anything that will talk, you will have it designed so it'll talk so that there, there's clear path of communication. And it's uh, from an HS&E point of view, you know, that's one of the, the constraints of a lot of these man down systems is they work really well, but if they don't have connectivity, they can't notify anybody. 
No, absolutely. And I think, you know, again, if you look at a lot of these man down or lone worker solutions that exist today, a number of solutions do exist and they do exist in, you know, for regular consumers or, or people that are operating in enterprise environments outside of an oil and gas facility or a petrochemical facility. The challenge becomes is the same set of devices that traditional enterprise users or consumers use aren't rated for use in those types of potentially hazardous environments. So the intrinsically safe nature of the device allows for that connectivity to be brought in and for that increased element of safety and productivity. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So David, come back to you real quick. You know, we're in this 2020 lockdown, double black swan world. We've talked about how it's forced and change in culture and technology. What do you see the future of our industry of oil and gas and technology? Where do you see that going? I think that... We're gonna, and we're seeing it already. The conversations are being asked about less people on a rig. I mean, we we're we've always talked about it, and I think offshore we've had very expensive machines that could handle pipe, and you know, it all it all looks very futuristic. But but it, it could actually be a lot simpler and a lot more modern. So we're actually we're doing tests right now with a lot of operator interest on on using car manufacturing robots on a rig. And you're just changing the work that, it, you know, the pieces that you put on there. It's very low cost uh, solution, but it allows you to get people off of the rig floor. So I, I think that concept, and we've done this in Norway already, where you have remote control with high def cameras. So you don't have to be on the rig floor at all. But I think you'll just keep going down this road of places that have any kind of risk. You can, you can easily move away at lower costs. I think when we tried to do it before, it always was more expensive solutions, but everyone is starting to find ways to adopt and adapt all of these new technologies. So I think it's going to get very interesting. We're also going to deal with more flow of data. There's a huge argument going on about who owns what data, and some people are fighting to maintain their data and learning that they, you know, they can't play together. And, and so some players are going to work out how to share openly where their data is and how to how to collaborate, and that's that's a word that we don't really take normally. We don't do well with um, everyone getting their value out of not collaborating. They work together, but not in a friendly way. And so there's the data world is going to push us to have to share and interact and let the data do the work because we're going to move into more AI, more machine learning, more deep learning, and the systems are going to start moving along the Sheridan scale, as it's called, where where you start seeing more of the computers not asking the humans for help. They're going to start to do things. We're going to be monitoring and doing what humans do best. And when it's an unsafe environment, we're going to keep people out of the way. So so I think there's a lot of, a lot of development coming. There's a lot of technology. And we're seeing the pressure on data systems and on robotics. I mean, people want it now. It's really actually quite easy to adopt and to use. So less custom machines and more using things from other industry, I think. Yeah, I love it. I love the fact that we're going to be more efficient and safer at the same time. Jackson, more or less the same question to you. So looking forward, what do you think is going to happen with this intersection of technology and the oil and gas industry? Well, I kind of agree with what David said, or I think a lot of companies will probably look to how can you minimize, you know, the people in hazardous situations, right? And so there's going to be, I think, a lot of improvement like in robotics. Like For example, you know, one of the things I've heard in our industry is, you know, in an inert environment is common when we're unloading catalysts. And so there, I know some companies are looking at getting robots inside of reactors to, you know, prevent someone from entering an inert environment. 
And so things like that, right, where you have, you know, you're minimizing operators out there. So you're minimizing the time people are in the plant, minimizing the number of people in the plant. I think that's kind of the future from what I can tell. You know, like you guys have talked about, it's going to take that connectivity and it's going to take that new technology. Yeah, I just love it. Jeff, kind of same question to you. What do you see moving forward in that intersection of the technology world and the oil and gas world? Yeah, well, I think we, we've touched on it a little bit throughout uh, the conversation thus far. But, you know, I think there's going to be starting with an increase of data, real-time data that's going to enable people to make better decisions. And in turn, that's going to require better connectivity options to exist. But once you start to see that that data stream coming in, you can start to analyze it. You can start to take the appropriate actions based off of it. You can start to see what other things you can do to you know, maximize productivity and to maximize worker safety. Jackson talked about, you know, does that mean that you can send you know, other things other than humans into certain types of potentially hazardous environments? absolutely a realistic possibility, but I think it's going to take a, you know, a lot of determination to figure out how we get there and how quickly. Yeah, I agree. And so I could sit on the phone with y'all forever, but we're getting close to wind down the show. This is the point of the show where we typically do product reviews. I don't have a product review for this episode, but if you have a techy geeky thing, send it to me. You know the deal. I'll tell the truth. If it's awesome, I'll say it's awesome. And it's not awesome, I'll say it's not awesome. And then go to Facebook, join our all-volunteer group, Street Team. Just search for OG and Street Team. You basically help us with our social media. And if life or when life ever gets back to normal, if you're in your local Local area, you can join us at conferences and expos as part of our press team to have some fun. And then once again, hats off to Nutanix for sponsoring the show. Nutanix enables IT teams to build and operate highly automated private hybrid clouds. Plus, they understand the business of oil and gas. And David and Jackson and Jeff, you can go register to win this JBL Flip 4 speaker and audience, you can do it too. We give away one a week. It's really easy. Just go to Nutanix.com forward slash OG Tech Podcast or just go to show notes and click on the, on the link. And like I said, we give one of these away. Shout out to Nutanix for taking care of our audiences. And then while you're online, go to the website. Go ahead and give us your email address. It's allandgastechpodcast.com. We promise not to spam you. And then join our LinkedIn group. I think we're pushing about 50,000 people on I think, actually think it's our LinkedIn page. We're pushing out 50,000 people. So let's go check that out as well. All right, guys. I love having you on the show. This was great. Unfortunately, we hit our end of time. So, Jeff, if people wanted to learn more about connected technologies, where should they go? Yeah, so absolutely. So best place to go would actually be our website. It's going to be connectedgateway.com. That's C-O-N-N-E-C-T-I-T gateway.com. And if people want to learn about more about you personally? Absolutely. Best to go to LinkedIn. Okay. And Jackson, if people want to learn more about you personally, LinkedIn as well? Yeah, LinkedIn is a great place to find me. Yep. And then David... If people want to learn more about National Oil, well, where should they go? Well, nov.com is always easy, but we're we're on all social channels and we're we're pretty pretty active on LinkedIn as am I personally. So I will give you and your team a super pat on the back. You were the first service company to start using social media and you're the best at it today. So I don't care everybody else you want to send me hate mail. They they beat y'all to it and they're really good at it. And some of the films that y'all put out there, David, are like Hollywood quality. So, you know, if just amazing stuff you're doing out there in the social world. Love it. Love that lovely presence out there. All right, people. So we need to uh, get out of here. We were making sure that you'll get left behind one episode at a time. And here are the events on deck. Hey, everybody. Alex here with the events on deck. So due to current circumstances, of course, we are not able to have any in-person events. So I have nothing of that nature to update you guys on. 
but we have been hosting some virtual events. So OGGN is wanting to offer free webinars, live happy hours, etc. during this time. Since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events, we would like to keep you guys updated via Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So be sure to keep checking up on that and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering. It has been free. We want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home. So please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events. We are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil and Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.